Hey everybody, it's Pete. Welcome to How to Split a Toaster. We're still on hiatus, taking our little holiday between-season break. We made it through Thanksgiving, and now we're cruising into our December holiday fun time. We've got a couple more fun bonus episodes coming up that aren't rebroadcast, so make sure you... Uh, you keep refreshing that feed over the next couple of weeks. We're excited about some of these conversations coming up. Hope you have a little fun with them. Uh, this week, we decided to wrap up our rebroadcast celebration with this classic from uh, season two. Brian Ronalds, actor and writer and producer and director, half of the Ronalds brothers. He's also author of a series of books. The first being uh, How Not to Be an A-Hole Husband and Lose Your Wife. We had a great conversation with Brian back in season two, and we're excited to both rebroadcast that episode now and welcome him back coming up next season. Before we do that, hey, uh, you know, holiday season, divorce, stressful time for families, especially when alcohol is involved. That's why we love our partner, Soberlink. They've teamed up with the Toaster and other divorce and family law experts to provide information you might not have that could give you peace of mind during the holidays. For those who still haven't heard about Soberlink, if you're new to this show, Soberlink is the solution if you are going through a divorce and custody case involving alcohol. Whether you're falsely accused of alcohol use or concerned about your child's safety because of alcohol use in your relationship, Soberlink can help. It is like a breathalyzer, but more than that, it is a device you blow into, has a facial recognition scanner on it, so it always knows who you are when you are blowing into the device, and it instantly syncs your data to the server and to those who are authorized to see it when it is most important, when your child is being picked up from school, when they're in a carpool, when they're in the drop-off between partners, whatever the case, Soberlink's giving you the valuable data you need to know that your child is safe, offering a remote alcohol monitoring system that is the gold standard. Don't miss out on Soberlink's free guide for the upcoming holiday season. You can request it today at www.soberlink.com toaster. That's www.soberlink.com slash toaster. Thank you, Soberlink, for sponsoring the show. And now, past us and Brian Ronalds. Welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from True Story FM. Today, we're taking on the most sacred question. Should I stop being an a-hole right now and save my marriage? Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Seth Nelson, and I am so excited today because we have Brian Ronalds on. And Pete, you've just got to tell everyone about Brian because I am not going to do this justice, especially with should I stop being an a-hole? You can try. <laughs> you can <laughs> <laughs> Brian Ronalds is an actor turned writer, producer, director, and uh, he's precisely half of the Ronalds brothers. You can see Brian in the horror comedy Nether Beast Incorporated, directed by his brother Dean, and in many other credits, which do not include why he's here today. He joins us as author of two books designed to guide you through your marriage, assuming you don't actually want it to end. How Not to Be an A-Hole Husband and Lose Your Wife and Its Partner. How not to be an a-hole wife 
and lose your husband. Welcome, Brian Ronalds, to the toaster. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, fellas. I, Seth, you you read the book last night. Oh, yes, read the book. Skimmed, and when I say read the book, it's how not to be an a hole husband and lose your wife. So read that in its entirety. Also started skimming the how not to be an a hole wife and lose your husband. Though I have not finished that one, but I thought the how not to be an a hole husband and lose your wife just had some brilliant advice. And I'm a little annoyed at Brian that he didn't write that book back in 2001 and two and three when I was married for the short, very short three years of my marriage, which as my girlfriend who was married for 15 years says, three years is not a marriage. It is a long weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, pretty much. Did did you, did you find it resonates, Seth? Did you find he's, he's speaking gospel to you? This is like it's we should say it's a very approachable book. You open the book and it's like the Jonathan Livingston Livington Siegel for the for the uh, for the wisdom of of you don't want to be an a-hole divorce. Well, Brian, how would you describe your book? You've been asked this question, I'm sure, before. Um, you know, it's a I would describe a book as a, a ridiculously easy 30 day guide, um, you know, in today's day and age with with Twitter, you know, only allowing <clears throat> only allowing a certain amount of characters uh, within a given post. I thought, you know, our short our, our attention spans are being cut down. Um, so I, I wanted to do just that and do uh, 30 days. Um, and basically it's two pages a day. Um, to read through um, with some uh, eye-opening words of encouragement and recommendations on, you know, how to, you know, look, look yourself in the mirror and see if you're doing a good job as a, as a, a man and a husband. It's, it's, uh, as I'm reading it yesterday, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, it's a special sort of transformation that takes a guy from, ah, oh, I got divorced and my life is uh, torn asunder too. I think I'm going to write a book about all the crap I did wrong. Uh, let's let's talk about that, Brian. Where how how did you get in into the into the space to write this book? <laughs> so I was married for 17 years, which is longer than a long weekend. Um, it's more of a a, a, a vacation uh, <laughs> that got turned into a nightmare. But to answer your question, you know, reflecting and looking back on how things I could have done differently is what had me engage myself to actually putting a pen to paper and writing some advice so other men don't have to fall as it fall into the you know the trap of of what I did and I wouldn't even call it a trap it's just uh becoming a better human being all the way around and I was working a lot in the movie business I brought my home uh, my my work home quite a bit and I would say the biggest takeaway for me amongst all the other chapters that I have is just, um, you know, it's it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And I, uh, the way I said things um, and still keep myself in check was a way that I find inappropriate and probably most people would. Um, there was name calling. Um, I was not kind. I was not loving. Um, and it seemed to push my better half away into the point where before I knew it, she was checked out three years ago before I even knew what the hell was going on. Look at that, Pete. Three, three years. years. Look at that. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Well, Brian, the reason I'm saying is in one of our shows, and I've read studies on this, it takes um, about three years for someone to first think they want a divorce until it actually happens. 
and here you are talking about your experience and you're like, wow, it was three years checked out. So, um, but, you know, to your credit, Brian, I found it very impressive that you took the time to be self-reflective because in the book about not being an a-hole husband, okay, it's all about the mistakes that you believe you made in that relationship. And for someone to be post-divorce, to take the time to write that and to be very self-inflected to help others, I, I think is phenomenal. And I don't think the book is just if you're currently married. I think if you're already divorced, this might be, hey, what went wrong and what can I do better next time or in the relationship that I'm currently in? So I found that um, to be just um, kudos to you and, and thank you for putting it out there. Thank you. I, I think that's I, I want to pivot on that question because I think it's a it's really important. Uh, we, we talk a lot about the work that that, you know, you you have to do and own in the process of going through the divorce experience. At, at what point do you realize as you're going through this and you realize your marriage is on a decline that there is work for you to do, to take ownership and to start doing the heavy lifting, you know, sort of inside to know that you're you're on a, a track to to be the guy that you want to be in a relationship? Well, I, I panicked um, because I thought this was the person that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. We've been through some stuff. Um, like any other normal relationship would go through. Um, so I thought, I thought that our marriage was, you, you couldn't touch it. You know, we, 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 like I said, we had gone through a lot of stuff, but, um, you know, at the same point, what I didn't know is that, um, my wife at the time was overlapping our marriage with another man. So that kind of threw that into there. And then I thought, okay, okay. So, I've done wrong. You've done wrong. Let's fix this. And so we started going to therapy. But little did I know that I was going to therapy uh, on how to deal with the divorce. Um, I thought I was going to therapy on how to um, make the marriage better. Um, right. So, so we were both going to the same mm -hmm. therapist, but I thought we two were different going reasons for two different reasons. Right. Two different and I will reasons. tell you, the therapist I've always talked to that said, if you're going to therapy, the very first thing is, is someone already checked out? Because if, as you said, if they're checked out, that relationship's done. Yeah, and women and and women want, and, and humans once someone checks out, they're done. There's nothing you can say. Um, oh, it's not just on women; it's both sides, yeah, yeah, either side, exactly. Yeah. Humans yeah. in general. Yeah. And um, I mean, we've been divorced for seven years now, um, I believe. And you know, she she admits now that she regrets everything, and then she wished she would have stuck, you know, with the marriage um, on how her life path took her. Um, but she she's she's doing great now. But um, you're right. If some somebody has checked out, it's really hard to come back from. I You say something early in the book, uh, crazy epidemic we're facing nowadays. Husbands are sticking around in their marriages while women are slamming the doors with middle fingers in the air, never to turn back again. What the hell is going on? And I'm curious on both your perspectives. One, uh, Brian, where do you, how do you, how do you arrive at that? What do you think is uh, allows us to arrive at that trend? And Seth, is that what you're seeing in the people who come to you for divorce? Yeah. So when she left, she had already made up her mind um, and there was nothing I could say or do. It was basically like, again, middle finger, finger in the air, the door is slammed. Get ready for a divorce. Here it comes. In what I see, Pete, and this is historical, I think, in nature, is back in the 50s, right? The, the guy would be the one to leave. A woman would never, very, very rarely leave. And divorce was very infrequent. Okay, and the laws were dramatically different 
back then. Basically, the the women would raise the children and get the children, and the dad or the husband would be not really a parent anymore, and then there'd be all these financial deals that had to be paid, okay? Much different now across the country. This is where I'm always the lawyer checking your local jurisdiction and talk to a lawyer licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. It is just dramatically a different landscape. Also, the historical women would go to college to meet a man. That is not why women go to college today. There are more women in law school than there are men. So there is just a different dynamic when it comes to finances. So I think that changes the dynamic. But I see women leaving men. I see men leaving women. And now in our same-sex marriages, men are leaving men and women are leaving women. So um, I see it across the board. There is not one reason why people get divorced. People think the guy always cheats. I have it where women have been the one who have cheated. People think that, oh my God, what's wrong with that person because they've cheated. But my question is, well, how did it get to that point? How did it get to that someone's cheating? And if you read Brian's book, this is a way to talk about to prevent things like that from happening. Like, for example, I just thought this was it's day six in his book, which is listen, 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 which basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, Brian, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it basically says when you first started dating, you would hang on every word. And now that you're married, you get home, you do this, you don't really ever listen. You're on your phones. We're all addicted to those. Like put down the phone and fucking listen, ask how was your day and really mean it. And don't take, oh, okay, well, how did your day make you feel? There's different ways to ask the question. But just listening, pouring a glass of wine and saying, hey, I just want to hear about your day. That's actually easy. That's easier than going to fix the toilet, right? Or trying to be a hero and do all these things for your spouse. Just listen. And I, I didn't get through the whole woman's book, but I'm sure, Brian, that's probably in there as well, where, where you're asking her to just stop doing whatever she's doing and listen. Is that accurate? It is. I, there, there's definitely a dichotomy between the two books. Um, but the chapter, the chapter you're speaking about is that I thought my life was way more important than hers because I was the one doing stuff. I mean, all she was doing was just, you know, raising our two sons, uh, keeping a, a wonderful home, cooking dinner, making sure everything. No, that's not all she was doing. She was doing equally what I was doing, if not more. Um, and I, I didn't realize that. So when she was talking, all I was doing is thinking of what I was going to say next. And I wasn't listening. When you're writing the book, do you are you putting yourself in the space of I think I I think these are the things I could have done to save my marriage? Absolutely. My book is a letter to men who are uh, trying trying to save their marriage, um, and uh, it's a letter also to men on who are going to get married on how to you know maintain a healthy relationship and keep a positive attitude and to love their wife the way they loved them from the very first day that they met them and formed that beautiful relationship up until, you know, death do them part. What's your wife think? Your ex-wife think of the, the book, your former spouse. She read it. Um, yeah, she's read it. I think she liked the the one about how not to be an a-hole husband better than one uh, about how not to be an a-hole wife. <laughs> Fair point, you know. Um, but 
once I wrote this first book, then I came up with, okay, this is, this book is a book for dummies. I can literally write about anything. Um, but how am I going to get these husbands to read this book? Um, other than put it on the, on the coffee table and say, ha ha, look at this funny book title. Um, so that's what inspired me to write the wife's version because when she brings the, the, the book home to her husband, she goes, oh, and honey, by the way, I have one for me too. So you can read your version. I can read my version because I think we should both together learn on how to be, become better people together. So Brian, when we were talking about having you on the show, when we get this book, Pete did something that I didn't know that he does when he goes to Google reviews. And I thought it was very interesting. He starts by reading the one-star reviews. Have you read your one-star <laughs> <Okay>. reviews? <laughs> I read all my reviews. I do. And um, the, the, the one-star review on the wife book is hilarious. I well, I haven't gotten to the wife book. What I just I, my favorite uh, are always the Amazon customer one star. I haven't tried it. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that uh, in, in spite of those uh, real contribution to intellectual rigor of Amazon, I, I uh, there is one that I'm curious you could you if you could talk about, um, and and it's somebody who doesn't like the book, and. I'm not asking you to defend the book in any way. I just think that we can, we can, it might be an opportunity to frame it in a way for people who have yet to read the book. Um, this is a, a review that says, uh, I bought this book for my husband. I couldn't give it to him because I was embarrassed. The content uh, is useless. The language is awful. Uh, and it carries a sexist theme throughout the pages. Make dinner for her once a week. Help her with the dishes. WTF, this isn't 1950, and it's that mentality which is perpetuating inequality of the sexes. Um, no, we swear like sailors around here. We have no problem with the language. But the, uh, the, the issue with the uh, perpetuating stereotypes uh, in examples that you give, is that something that you reflect on as you're writing the book or that you've reflected on since? I can understand where she's coming from, where she's like, this guy is here. I, so she turned it on me a little bit. She did. Uh, yeah, she turned it on me. What I meant to say was, you know, take the things that she's doing and and maybe you do it for her every once in a while. Brian, that's very interesting that you say that because Pete before the show said, Seth, I start with this one star reviews. I thought that was just funny. And he read it. And I said that exact same thing in a different way. I said, when I'm explaining legal concepts to people or anything, it's very, it's a way to communicate the concept is to give a stereotypical view because people get the stereotype, not that it's appropriate, not that it's accurate, not that it is the way things should be, but it is a way to convey the information. So when we talk about alimony a lot, we might say, I'll say, sorry to be stereotypical, but if the wife is receiving alimony, the former wife is receiving alimony, which is stereotypical, the man made the money, now has to pay it to the former spouse. That's not in every case by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a way to get the concept going. And when I read your book, I definitely saw where a critique would be, well, look, it's very 50-ish, Make do the dishes, do this. But when I read it, I actually said, what Brian is telling me is whatever something she is doing that is deemed a chore, take that chore on for her as a way to show that you appreciate her and giving her the night off or the day off or whatever the case may be. Now, I will tell you that my cousin's wife mows the lawn. 
I'm a, I actually think she's afraid yeah. he'll hurt himself, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> but for example, that might be something that he might do for her to give her the break. Now, I think she loves being out there doing it, and that's one of the reasons they do it. But all relationships, duties do get divided, right? It's just the yeah. way we work together. And Pete, we've talked about this before. Someone will pay the bills. The other one will go to the grocery store. My aunt used to make the grocery list and my uncle would go to the store. So it's all just how you guys work. So is that what you were kind of saying, Brian, is whatever the chore might be, take it on for that spouse. 100%. Um, and what I did learn is from this book is that, you know, people can take your words and turn around on you. But. At, at the end of the day, you, you know where your heart was coming from and what you were saying. And I would say that most people take your perspective of he's just, you know, trying to make some sense out of it um, into, into terms where everybody can can uh, understand. Yeah, most people at, we start with the one stars, but the book has some extraordinarily strong uh, four and five star reviews for people who are who are using this like they're trying it and it's helping their marriages right it's helping them to to your point Seth it's helping them learn the love language of their spouse right of their partner how to just be a more generous and joyous partner in the relationship and uh and and I think that's that's a pretty special thing to have contributed to the world and so you know like if if you have not read it yet please take it with that this is a language that I think speaks to in the way um, sort of men think and speak to a way that really uh, uh, attaches their head to heart. I mean, he lays it out there. He'll say, quit being an idiot, <laughs> right? He'll drop the F-bomb, no problem, right? He'll talk about sex. But in, in on that note, he says, kiss your wife, kiss her neck. Like when you first started dating, you didn't just go have straight sex, right? You, you There was something called foreplay, right? But Brian said it in such a way, like, don't forget what got you here. Don't forget all those times when you were courting each other. So <laughs> there's that it, bit. He says, he says, kiss her sexy mouth. And I'm reading that and I'm not divorced. I've been married for 20 years. And I'm thinking, gosh, she does have a sexy mouth. I think, I think I'm sitting reading this book and I kind of want to go kiss it. Like, it's actually awesome. I want to go treat her better as a result of, of reading oh, his wonderful. divorce porn. <laughs> when you read this book, though, the, the chapters are all of two pages. Yeah. And so they're very just kind of step by step of here's a quick topic. It might be adore her or it might be affectionate and what she wants. It could be use kind words. It's all these little things that you can do. And none of them, frankly, take a lot of effort. And I would imagine that if people are implementing this, they're going to get a lot of positive feedback from their spouse, which then encourages the behavior because we're all just trained animals, right? We just are on that hamster wheel. So, And it, and it, and it is gritty. And I, and I wanted to be gritty with my language. I wanted to be gritty uh, with the sex because you know what? Marriage can get gritty. If you know me, you can hear these words just slip out from my mouth, which I put a pen to paper, as I mentioned before. So yeah, am I going to pull any punches of the way I talk? No. Are people going to relate to me with the way I talk? Yes. Um, is it going to offend some people? Probably. But I was okay with that because you can tell the spirit of these books is to be helpful, kind, caring, loving, giving, all these types of things you want to be in a, in a, a relationship. I do have a question about 
day 28. And this is don't compartmentalize. The reason I'm asking about this is I have in my job to deal with some very difficult situations sometimes. I have to deal with domestic violence issues with clients, with children being put in very compromising situations and being physically and sexually abused. And I have to deal with those types of issues. And my girlfriend will tell me, I will ask about your day, but if it's something that's really bad like that, she actually doesn't want to hear about that because it's so upsetting to her. So I do compartmentalize. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to her. She'll say, how was your day? And I'll be, it's one of those days that I can't talk to you about. You don't want to hear it. And I respect that because these are tough, tough things. If you're a police officer on the murder beat, you don't necessarily want to come home and talk about the murder that you saw that day or had to investigate, right? So can you just kind of talk through that a little bit? Because I felt like the don't compartmentalize. I thought that less like TV dinners and more like pot pies was a great um, example. But can you just kind of talk us through that that one part? Sure. I have learned to, and, and, and I was maybe talking about her a little bit in this, um, and then reflected on myself and, and what you were talking about. Yeah. You don't want to bring home the bat, especially if you've already talked with your spouse about, Hey, I, I don't want to know that stuff. So you respect that. I try very hard. And that's why I am who I am in this book that uh, I'm going to talk to you the way I'm talking to my kid, or I'm going to talk to you, um, the way I'm going to talk to a, a pastor, uh, or a lawyer or my wife, or her mother, or my mother. I pull no punches with my mother. I, my parents have read this book. They think it's horrifying and awful because of the language. There's the, the one-star there reviews That's from it. mom right <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, they don't, get, they don't get it. You know, my dad gets it, but my mom is like, you know, why do you have to use such horrible language? And I'm like, well, mom, that's the way I fucking talk, you know? And, and she gets it. She gets it, and she respects it. But uh, to compartmentalizing... It, it, it is almost impossible, but it's doable. Um, and I think you can do it by just being your true self, no matter who you're talking to and no matter who you're around and what situation that you're in. Gotcha. So be more true to yourself. Be who you are. Don't try to be one thing, one place and one thing, another. Now, we all have roles to play, right? Like, I appreciate that. Like, I've always talked to my son at an age appropriate level, but even sophisticated concepts, right? Exactly yep. true. Yeah, I'm with you. So that that's what I was trying to 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 share in in that. Also, p people compartmentalize and, and just hide it away. Let's just say you know a, a, a married couple. Um, the wife is cheating on her husband, and when she gets home, she puts it away. It didn't happen. It's gone. I compartmentalized it, and I don't go back into that compartment uh, until I go back and do that that horrible thing again. And and, and that's a, another way of, to look at it. As I read the book, and now having talk to you for a while, I, I absolutely can can sort of feel you in the words on the page. How do you pivot that and now write from a perspective of the woman who doesn't want to be an a-hole wife? Uh, great question. Well, I I try to put myself in, in, in their shoes, but I think it was harder to write the how not to be an a-hole husband um, because it's really looking into myself. It's hard to look, you know, in the mirror sometimes, but how to not be an a-hole wife. Oh, I got a lot of advice, <laughs> ladies, for you, you know, and I think I do it in such a way where I'm, I'm not being mean, 
I'm just saying, hey, this is what I would like to see in in my future wife and my future relationships. So I kind of felt like the second book was a little bit easier. Um, and there's actually a third and fourth book too. There's you know how not to be an a hole boyfriend and lose your girlfriend and and the other one that goes with that. Man, you're a it's the the whole a hole series. You've you've it's like an a hole cinematic universe. But like I mentioned before, like a book for dummies because the next book I'm writing is how not to be an a hole boss and lose your employees and how not to be an a hole employee and lose your job. Look at you. That's fantastic. That's really, I mean, what I just found interesting specifically, Brian, about what you said is how it's easier to write about the other spouse because it's almost like you're complaining, right? (laughs) And in, in what I do, people will call, and I think this is a mistake when dealing with your lawyer, they will call and they will want to tell me all about their spouse and all the bad things their spouse does. And I want them to focus on them and what is their life going to be like during this process of divorce? What is their life going to look like after divorce? There is a time and a place to talk about the behaviors of the spouse when it comes to how that fits into the law and how that's going to divide assets if someone was hiding money, um, it, how it comes for parenting kids if they're, they're just never around or the way they deal with the children isn't appropriate or the way they feed them, all these things. There's, there is a time for that, but that is not the time in the first conversation is to talk to a lawyer and complain about your spouse because you're not getting any real information about the law or how this process works. So I know Pete has some questions for you about how You've written this book, which was reflective after divorce, but how was the actual process of divorce, right, Pete? So uh, we would like to turn our attention now to your divorce process, if you're comfortable talking about it. How, what was it like working with with your lawyer? Um, you know, I actually did not use a lawyer. Um, oh, for- Brian, <laughs> come on. <laughs> God, I thought things were going so well between us. Oh, oh brutal. Well, well, we were we were like separated for almost, I don't know, two years. Um, and in that two year okay. process, like I just shut down. I stopped wanting to work. I stopped wanting to bring in money. Then we were faced with like a bankruptcy. So then I was thinking, you know, usually, you know, the wife gets half of, of everything that that, you know, the man has brought in. And I thought, because well, perfect, that's not we- sexist. Right. That, like, yeah. Right. <laughs> and at the time I was thinking, perfect. She can have a, she can have half of. Everything that I have, which is absolutely fucking nothing. nothing. Right. Yeah. So here's here's why I had the response, or I'll even say reaction, because I didn't give it any thought, is first off, in Florida, and check your local jurisdiction, you don't need a lawyer to get a divorce, okay, at all. You, Florida law, you can go in there without lawyers, and you can reach a, a settlement agreement without lawyers. You can reach a settlement agreement without knowing what the law is. There are websites from the clerk of the courts that will give you all the forms to fill out. The reason why I have the response that I have is I think making informed decisions are important. It's not a lawyer's job to tell a client, don't enter into this agreement. It's a lawyer's job to say, it is your choice whether you want to enter in this agreement or not, but the law would give you more or the law wouldn't require you to do this or that. But I believe in self-determination. I think clients get to make their decisions. It's their farm to give away, in quotes. If they want to give the farm away, they can give it away. I just think they should be informed. And what always does make me nervous is when there is an agreement, you're, you're basically creating a contract. And 
that makes me nervous if that has to come back to court and we're going to have to say, what did we mean? What does it say? How does it work? Those are the things that give me pause. But I do appreciate the sentiment of the scariness of dealing with a lawyer or like in Brian's case, look, we've been separated for two years. What's left to do? Let's just get this done. So that's just my knee-jerk reaction. But I, I do not mean to diminish Brian's right or his own choice of, you know what? We didn't want to deal with lawyers. I get it. It's expensive. It's expensive yeah. to go down that road. I, I did try yeah. to, to go down that road. And just talking to a lawyer is expensive. Uh, I got the information that I needed that I learned from Uncle Google um, and matched it and, and paralleled what they were saying. Oh, first, no, Uncle like, Google. Uh, like I, now you're really killing me. <laughs> you just, there's re, a, there's you a just shiv replaced involved. my hard work in law school and my bar license with a Google search. My cousin has a, has a mug. He's a doctor. He says, don't replace my medical degree with Google. And, and here I am having Brian on the show to say, call Uncle Google. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Some people don't even know how to use a computer, so I think you're in good shape still. <laughs> you're in good shape, yeah. right? You're okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in all seriousness, Brian, I, I, I really appreciate that you went down this road, uh, the two of you on your own, and in, in, in the, the from the perspective of being in a dark place, um, you know, what? how did it, it, you know, she, she served you. How does that? How did that all unravel? And just in in short strokes, how'd you? How how did it come apart for you? So during that time, I was making uh, a feature. I was producing feature films uh, one year after the other, after the other, after the other, yeah. and living in in Hollywood and uh, living a very you know fast life. You have to be on your toes and you know know what the heck is going on at all times. And um, when all this happened, I wanted to leave. I wanted to take my my children away from that environment um, because it was already dark and gloomy already. I can always go back in the movie business, but what I can't do is have this time with my children um, who are now 17 and 14. You know, again, that was seven years ago. They were, they were little. So mm -hmm. I'll never regret leaving Los Angeles because I know Los Angeles isn't going anywhere. Um, what I would have regretted is not be of going through these dark times and trying to, to, to grasp onto everything that I could in, in Hollywood um, while, while losing time raising my boys. And by moving from Los Angeles to where I live now, it slowed my life down completely. It helped me get a grasp, helped me write these books with no distractions. And I got to raise my boys and, uh, and I'll have no regrets with doing that. That makes absolute sense to me. And I think the biggest takeaway for me for, from that perspective, Brian, is slow down. If you want more time with your children, put down your cell phone. Be engaged. Be present. Even some of the stuff in the, the book that you talk about, like, hey, make dinner with your spouse and how romantic that can be. You can cook with your children, get them involved, that those type of activities that you're discussing in your life as general, like you, you eliminated the hustle and bustle and the craziness of LA and being in the movie business to kind of slow down and, and focus on the kids. But even if you are in the hustle and bustle of your life, you can still make the deliberate decision to slow down and be present where you are at that moment. And that is going to not just impact your relationship with your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your children. It's going to help you be more centered because those are the things that ultimately we, we find important. 100%.
this is great you guys uh brian thank you so much for for being on the show uh i, I think you're it, in spite of the fact that you didn't lose use a, an attorney on a show <laughs> about divorce attorneys we deeply appreciate the contributions you're but making now with people. with all these books taken off and he's be rolling in dough he'll be calling yeah. for a prenup that's when he's coming up next so i still right. got my chance there still got my chance <laughs> haven't missed it nailed yet. it <laughs> but would you would you would you give us a plug uh where would you like people to go learn more i can't believe it i'm i am dutifully embarrassed about uh not picking up on the other books a boyfriend girlfriend and the boss thing coming where do you want people to go learn more about this stuff um i mean we have a facebook page it, it's um i mean we're almost at forty thousand followers uh over the last few years, which is pretty cool. And then all the books are on Amazon. So if yeah. you Google my, my my first and last name on Amazon, the books will pop up. And there's links all over Facebook, also on the like page. Perfect, perfect, perfect. All those links will be in the show notes. Seth, how do you feel? Did you learn something today? I did. I learned a lot from Brian. I learned a lot from reading his book. I certainly um, connected with some of the different chapters. And Brian, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to write this book and be self-reflective and basically lay out to the world, hey, these are some mistakes that I might have made and, and don't make the same ones. That That's really giving back. And I think if you're picking up the book and you're reading it from that perspective of someone that's gone through a divorce, or if you've gone through it and you want to be like, hey, what can I learn about what I did in a very simple, easy read, then I, I really strongly recommend picking up these books and, and not just reading them, but putting them into practice. So Brian, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. And thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. We sure appreciate you showing up and doing the work. On behalf of Brian Ronalds and the esteemed Seth Nelson, uh, I'm Pete Wright. And we'll catch you next week right here on How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships. Seth Nelson is an attorney with NLG Divorce and Family Law with offices in Tampa, Florida. While we may be discussing family law topics, how to split a toaster is not intended to, nor is it providing legal advice. Every situation is different. If you have specific questions regarding your situation, please seek your own legal counsel with an attorney licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. Pete Wright is not an attorney or employee of NLG Divorce and Family Law. Seth Nelson is licensed to practice law in Florida.